Glad you're here with us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can keep more of what you have. Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com are our websites. And I want to talk about small businesses. I'm very, very worried about my fellow entrepreneurs as a lot of small businesses have run out or soon will run out of cash. And it's been brutal for entrepreneurs to keep going. And I know there have been predictions that small businesses, once they disappear, that small businesses never coming back. That's not how it works. But people who've had a small business and have put so much effort into it, risk so much, I hate to see those slip away. And I want to talk about how you and I can help. So one thing is you know that the food delivery services have been growing like crazy. They've been adding workers by the tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands. As more and more people are choosing to have things delivered instead of going to a place of business. Well, you know that if, let's say I'm Domino's or I'm Papa John's or something like that, the cost to them of doing a delivery, because it's baked into how they've always done business, it's part of their whole thing, there's no additional cost to them because of coronavirus. It just means they've grown a whole lot, both of them doing huge businesses. But what if I'm a neighborhood restaurant and delivery was not part of my DNA? It wasn't part of what I did. Well, in order to pivot from my traffic being people coming and sitting down and eating, in order to keep the lights on, I may have signed up quickly with these various food delivery apps. Well, all I'm hearing from restaurant owners are complaints about the massive fees they have to pay those apps. And then the people doing the delivery for these apps, they're getting crumbs. I mean, not food crumbs. They're getting crumbs of the money. They're getting very little of the money. The apps are taking all the big money, all the whatever profit there may have been from the sale of the food is being run off with by the food delivery app. So if you and I really want to help small businesses, small restaurants, boutiques, um, businesses of any kind, go pick up whatever it is yourself. More and more small businesses recognizing how much of their potential customer base is afraid of getting coronavirus by polls that shows consistently around 70% of people have changed their behavior patterns because they're afraid that if they engage, they'll get sick. It means that if a small business offers a way for you to get, um, you know, parking lot delivery, curbside pickup, whatever you want to call it, you can do that. I mean, this is happening with small businesses and big businesses. I did an order from BestBuy.com recently and ordered online, and it was like 
they had genies sitting there in bottles that second order came in. They jumped out of the bottle and went and filled that order because it was just a few minutes. I got an email telling me my order was ready. And you drive over and you park in a numbered space. And then in about, oh, I'd say three or four minutes, somebody came. You tell them what kind of car you're in and all that. Somebody came out, popped the trunk, and they put the item in, and I drove away. I mean, it couldn't have been easier. That's a huge company doing that, but so many small businesses as well. I do curbside pickup of food. The food's fresher and hotter if you go do curbside pickup, by the way, than if you wait for that delivery. And think about how much more you're helping that locally owned little restaurant or store if you do pickup that way. Because you're eliminating the expense you have for delivery. You're eliminating the expense the small business has paying one of the apps. And if you're thinking, yeah, but now I'm putting somebody out of work with the delivery service, the reality is these places, these apps can't even hire people quick enough. So don't worry. Don't have a guilt trip that you're going to put somebody out of work. Now, we are answering your questions here based on what you post at Clark.com slash ask. And producer Kim, who do you have a question from? This is from Edward in Florida. He says, Clark, my question is, I've been on a pension for about six years now. I just received a phone call saying that they've overpaid me by about $47 a month. It adds oh, up no. to oh, a little no, this again. over $3,000. And oh. they want to charge me interest on this money. What are my rights? Please help me. My goodness. They want to charge you interest on the overpayment? That's what he said. I'm speechless because I've had the question over the years um, more times than you would like from people who have been accidentally miscalculated and overpaid on a pension. And the questions I've had have always been related to how you know whether they're right that you've been overpaid and what method to pay them back. But I've never ever had a call that I can ever recall anywhere in my memory that someone was told they needed to pay interest on the, you said $3,000? Yep. That is bonkers. So what I recommend you do is if they have not been able to prove to you that they in fact did overpay you, you write back politely and say, um, how can you document to me that you have, in fact, miscalculated and overpaid? And second, you say, um, what, if you can, if you're in a position, if they are able to convince you you were overpaid, if you're in a position to write the $3,000 check, do so. If you're not, you negotiate a payment plan. And third, on the issue of paying interest they need to provide you where in the plan document for the pension it covers that you have to pay interest if they have miscalculated and overpaid you if in fact that's in the pension plan document as crazy as it would be you would have to honor 
their, re- their request that you pay interest. However, if it's not in the plan document, everything with a pension goes back to source document. If it's not in the plan document, then you pay them back what you owe, but not a penny for the interest. Joel? Clark Caleb in Arizona says, My wife and I have been very good about building up savings to purchase our next vehicle. We have enough to purchase our next car in cash. However, my wife and I are young, and we're wondering if we get a good financing deal. Should we pay for most of the car in cash and then make payments for a couple of months in order to build up good credit history? If you already have credit cards and you've established credit with other things, I don't want you to take out a vehicle loan just as a way to um, build out your credit score. If, on the other hand, you have what's known as a thin file, where you have very little history of credit, you don't have a solid credit score, which would be a credit score above 700. If you don't have that, then if you wanted to pay most of it in cash and have a little loan that you have out for just a little while, that would be okay. If you don't have a Credit Karma account set up yet, set one up so you can track a rough facsimile of what each of your credit scores are. Um, If your credit scores are good, then just pay cash for the vehicle and know that you did hard work saving that money and you'll have no monthly payment you'd have to worry about or look at moving forward. Kim? James in Georgia says, I received an email for a job offer. At least I thought it came from within my school's organization. I replied with my mailing address and my cell phone number. And now looking back, I believe this email was a scam and I'm not sure how to protect myself from future identity theft. So if you've not done so, put in place a credit freeze immediately. Uh, You don't know how sophisticated the criminal enterprise is what they'd be able to do with the information you already have supplied. So the automatic go-to is credit freeze. It's free to do. It's quick. Um, One time to set up a credit freeze by quick. It typically takes someone around 15 minutes total to freeze. And you can't freeze with one bureau. You have to freeze with all three, Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian. I can walk you through it pretty easily if you look at my credit freeze guide at Clark.com. And once you have it in place, thawing your credit is pretty quick now. There used to be a procedure that was standard where you had a secret code that was unique to you in each credit bureau. So you'd have three different secret codes. Now the PIN code system is steadily wearing away. And instead, there's a verification process to verify before you can temporarily thaw as you need to. That is free as well. So that's the best advice I can give you right now, because I don't know what other kind of mischief the criminals might be up to outside of trying to obtain credit or buy things as if they're you. Joel? Clark Kevin in Virginia says, are there any particular promo code websites that you trust and that you rely on? Wow. Um, I'm going to ask both you, Joel and Kim, if you have ones that you really like. I have found that every one of them I've ever uh, downloaded the extension for or attempted to use, 
that I fail more than 90% of the time to find a useful code. So do either of you have one of these that you really trust? Yeah, I'm going to defer to Joel on this because I'm with you, Clark. I've never had great success. All right. So I think the worst thing you can do is just to Google and see what comes up because that's just a recipe for disaster and a big waste of time. I like Honey. It's a it's a plug-in, you know, that you can put on the Chrome browser and I'm sure other browsers too. I and have Honey, Joel, and it keeps giving me vinegar. Really? Yeah. <laughs> you have found Honey to really work for you? Yeah. I feel like it does a good job. Like, And, and oftentimes it'll say, you know, we're going to try eight different promo codes and sometimes none of them work, but sometimes one of them works. And I, I've saved, I had to buy a coffee grinder the other day i saved an extra i think six bucks on that coffee grinder because of honey so yeah I, I think i think it works pretty well although sometimes there just aren't any promo codes that are valid for the site and so it'll try things and sometimes it'll come up empty but i feel like it is the best of all the potential options out there now wait uh you just glossed over something you're What's a that? you're a coffee grinder kind of guy yeah. Oh, yeah. I grind my own coffee for sure. Right. So, you know, I don't drink coffee. Right. But in my household, there's max laziness going on. We have an <laughs> espresso machine that has these little discs that you put in espresso. That Those you are pop great too. in to make an espresso, which is some kind of like extra strong coffee or something. And then we've got the traditional K-cup kind of machine. There is no actual real coffee grinding or anything like that going on. You know, it's funny. Last time I went into Costco, they had their coffee grinder shut down, which makes sense because of coronavirus. I was like, I bet there's people buying coffee grinders right now. Mine just broke, so I had to replace it. But I bet there's a lot of people that need a coffee grinder that that didn't previously. Yeah, You're spending a lot less money (laughs) than is being spent per cup in my house, right? Yeah, we do actually have one of those Nespresso's too that we use on the, you know, once once or twice a week cuz actually Krista gave me her old one and so even though the capsules are a little expensive, totally worth it to have an at-home latte every once in a while. I think I'll stick to my water and my <laughs> Coke Zero. Today's Clark Rave again shows the goodness of people and how unusually difficult it is to do good deeds for people if you live in most of Alaska. This story is from Fox News, and it's about a guy who supplies groceries for his entire town doing seven-hour Costco runs. He's got to get to Costco by boat. He lives in a town called Gustavus, and he actually goes to Costco, shops there for everybody with their list, and then goes back, saving people the time or the enormous expense. The guy's name is Toshua Parker, and so he's been making these voyages every week to Costco in Juneau, and if he weren't doing this, It would cost people so much money because what happens in Alaska, I've seen it before at Costco in Anchorage, people will come in by float plane, stock up on stuff, and fly it typically at a cost per mile or per delivery to deliver things that way. But he is eliminating all that expense for people by getting that done for them and getting their items delivered to them 
And this is just the kind of thing, the kind of kindness and generosity that so much is happening through coronavirus. You know, what makes news is the difficulty of fighting through it and some situations where people don't behave themselves. That's why every day I want you to hear something that either an organization, a community group, or an individual or group of individuals have taken upon themselves to make a difference to serve others. Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anybody ever rip you off. I have a special rip-off alert for you coming straight ahead. Our websites, they're not rip-offs. They're your friend, Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com, working hard to serve you and help you stretch every dollar. So I want to warn you about scam activity that has been a problem for the last couple of years. And unfortunately, according to media reports and a new report from AARP, is escalating in the coronavirus era. And that is people using apps for payments and not knowing the distinctions with the difference that really matter depending on which you're using. As an example, take up of Apple Pay and Google Pay has increased dramatically because of people wanting to do contactless payments. And Apple Pay and Google Pay are fantastic tools for you when you're out and about, instead of handing over your plastic and creating the potential passing of germs back and forth, you simply pay electronically with Apple Pay or Google Pay. Um, Samsung has a version that doesn't have a lot of popularity in the United States, but I don't need you to say, why didn't you talk about Samsung Pay? So those three are kind of in their own category. Then there's Venmo, which has become hugely popular, Zelle, which is the bank attempt to compete against Venmo, and then the Cash App, which is something that Square offers. Those are in a different category entirely, and it's where you're going to find that criminal activity with people stealing from you is an enormous problem. So when you use Venmo or use Zelle, use the Cash App, these are things that should only be used to give money or pay money to a friend or a known person, period. You don't buy anything from a stranger using any of these three because the scamsters are everywhere with these. And the thing is, you have no normal consumer protections at all, none, if you use Venmo, Zelle, or Square. As you may have heard me in the past, I have railed at the banks that invented Zelle for their terrible, terrible, rotten, awful, lion advertising and promotion of Zelle where they do not tell you that you have zero consumer protections when you use Zelle. The banks could have designed it with consumer protections, but they didn't. And the bank should disclose 
with all their push for Zell, they should tell you that if you make a mistake and put in the wrong account number for who you're sending money to, it is gone forever. One-way trip, no way to recover. Zelle is a disaster to use in any case. But never use Zelle, Venmo, or Cash App with a stranger. Do not find something somebody's touting you should buy and use Venmo, Zelle, or Cash App to pay for it. Again, you do something with a friend or family member. Let's say you're going together to buy a gift for somebody and one person buys it and then you've got to reimburse. Reimbursing your family member or friend on Venmo or Cash App is great. If you want to use the trashy Zelle, okay. But only in that kind of circumstance where you're paying a friend or family member. Paying them for something, reimbursing them for something. Never, 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 not ever use it like you would if you were on eBay and you buy something paying for it on PayPal. Somebody says, as I had somebody ask me recently, somebody says, hey, they're asking me to pay using Zelle. Should I do that? And I was like, I wish I could be playing Sounders talking to somebody because you don't do that. Apple Pay, Google Pay, Samsung Pay, they're fine to use. PayPal in certain circumstances, absolutely fine to use. But remember, these others, even though they're so simple to use, they are deadly to your finances. And while I'm at that, if you do choose to use Venmo or Cash App, or you really want to use that crummy Zelle, if you want to use those things, set up a separate account for using those if you routinely use them. Because if they do get compromised in any way, you have all the money in your account that you might use to pay rent, mortgage, car payment, all your bills. The money's gone. And remember, it's virtually impossible to recover in virtually any circumstance if somebody runs off with it. So if you only have at risk the small amount of money you'd have in an account you use just for these transactions, that would be the safest way to use something that offers you no normal consumer or financial protections. And my question, again, for the banks, why would you be so irresponsible and push something so hard that when somebody has a problem, all you're going to tell them is they lose all their money? Time for all your questions that you post at clark.com slash ask. And we alternate with producers Kim and Joel. Who's up? All right, it's me, Kim. And up right now is Ed from Ohio. He says, this is good news, Clark. You'll like this. I've heard you talk about the lousy 403B and 457 choices for teachers. I'm currently in year 44 of teaching middle school and high school band. I've always used IRAs and Roth IRAs instead. But just before the world went crazy, I went to a presentation about the Ohio 457B plan. It was originally set up for Ohio state legislators and 
Recently, it was expanded to include all Ohio government employees, including public school teachers. It is commission-free. It offers 24 mutual funds, including stocks, bonds, target date, retirement funds. It includes both Fidelity and Vanguard. Most choices have expense ratios of less than 0.1%. It sounds like a good benefit, and I just wanted to share with you that at least one state is taking care of their teachers. Wow. I mean, that that is very unusual for a 457 plan to have extremely low costs, and that is fantastic, and I'm so amazed that you have had a 44-year career, and this means you teach because you love it, because you long since could have retired with uh, typically a very nice pension, but your joy is being with the students, and you are to be commended for that. Joel? Clark's Sean in Hawaii says, Aloha, Clark and team. I recently started paying my credit cards weekly as a way to reduce the interest that I'm paying. I'd like to find an online calculator that can accommodate this weekly payment schedule, but I haven't been able to find one. So do you know of any, Clark, that uh, those online calculators that can help me out with this? That do weekly specifically. So I can tell you there's a calculator that I use that's a free app called... um, fncalculator.com is the website and there's an app that I know is available for Android I don't know if they have a version for iPhone but it has uh, 4, 8, 12, 16, 18 different forms of payment calculators they have a variety of loan calculators um, and they have a credit card payoff calculator And that one specifically is designed to show if you put in your balance and your interest rate and you have a month's target to pay off, how many months it'll take you to pay off. I'm looking to see, I don't see one quickly that would do the automatic weekly payment form of calculation, but this one is a very thorough tool and I'm hoping you'll find what you need in order to be able to do that weekly calculation. And that is a great point that would be wonderful. Uh, Decades ago, I know that we had one showing what would happen if you paid your credit cards weekly. And uh, I don't even know if, if the people who wrote that software back in the 1990s even still have one available. So I'll look for that. Kim? Sandy in Florida says, what's the best way to get insurance on my mortgage? I would like to make sure that it's paid off when I die so my son doesn't have that burden. Well, you were so sweet to take take care of your son that way. And banks are happy to sell you what is true garbage insurance. That is a mortgage life insurance product. It tends to have a premium cost about 10 times what you would normally pay for life insurance on your own life. And not only that, it insures the bank, the mortgage company, not your son, because the bank just wants to make sure it gets its money. So the proper way to do this is for your son to have a life insurance policy on your life by a level term policy 
for the period of years closely approximating the remaining term for your mortgage and the money that um because then you know if if you hopefully live long enough that you outlive your mortgage then you can pass that home to your son mortgage debt free and that would be the time period you needed the insurance and in the event his mortgage pays over time pays down the balance over time your son would just have additional proceeds at the time of your passing by him owning it on your life there's no tax implications for him having the policy and he should look at my guide to what's known as level term insurance you can also buy a rare type of policy or he could where instead of it being level term the amount of insurance coverage goes down year by year but the premium stays the same and in that case it would hopefully track the decline in the balance on the mortgage if the only purpose of it was to make sure that there was no mortgage burden for your son and i hope that you live an ultra long time kim it's my turn clark joel come on i'm just kidding Uh, all right so sean in california says why is dental coverage not a part of our medical insurance and why doesn't anyone seem to care i can get a wart removed at my dermatologist and that's covered but i can't get a root canal that would result in an infection in my skull if it went untreated what's up with that well that is a good question so the whole idea of having health coverage through an employer was an accident of history and dental coverage had never been part of the picture the health coverage was given a special exemption by congress where employers are able to fully deduct the cost of the health coverage dental coverage is kind of uh, an afterthought and so it's always been treated as a separate medical category and it's a cultural thing it's just a tradition that medical and dental are treated so separately and as you know the coverage you can get under dental coverage if you buy a plan even if your employer offers one or you buy one on your own dental coverage is very different and it has very tight annual caps and relatively low premiums it's not equivalent in any way to how health coverage works this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you have a question for me, go to clark.com slash ask and post it. And here's producer Kim with a question you put on clark.com slash ask. This is from Eunice in Ohio. 
Eunice says, I have two questions. How long should I keep my medical records and how long should I be keeping my tax records? Right now, I have records going back to the 1970s. Well, I am impressed. I thought I was the only other person out there who did anything like that. Um, I have tax returns going back many, many decades. As for medical records, I don't know if you're talking about payments and things like that. I don't know any reason for you to hold on to those for any substantial period of time. Um, If you had a major medical event with a major surgery or expenses with a hospital stay, it would make sense to keep those records for maybe a couple of years in case any stray bills or a bill collector pops up, something pops up is a bad debt on your credit, but routine medical bills, no need to hold on to for any time period that I could think of at all. And even uh, something from a major medical event, the need to hold it totally evaporates after several years if you even wanted to hold on to them that long. On tax records, the key is for you to keep your return for ever um, but substantial supporting documents keep for six years uh, the reason you keep your returns forever is there's no statute of limitations for the irs to come after you saying you failed to file and the penalties for failing to file can be enormous having an actual copy of your return which isn't going to take up a lot of space is a good thing to have joel Clark Larry in Oklahoma says, can I give cash to my kids to put it in an IRA, even if they don't have earned income? No. A kid has to have earned income in order to do an IRA. And once a kid has a job, um, I do what I call, I've always called the daddy match, that from when my kids have their first job as teenagers forward um, until they're young adults, I offer a match dollar for dollar. Every dollar that my kids did not spend or don't spend from a job, I match with a dollar going into a Roth IRA so that they have an incentive to not spend all the money they have from a part-time or summer job. And then they have the long-term benefit of building up uh, money that's tax-free to spend for retirement a zillion years down the road for them. So the idea of getting money into kids' hands in many cases is great. Uh, there's tax advantages and other advantages, but the real benefit starts when they start working, and it should always be something where there's some incentive for the kids to be aware of what's going on and to be a participant in making that savings happen. This is the Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at clark.com and clarkdeals.com.